Welcome to Everything Belongs, a podcast for those living, creating, leading, and thriving while in the deep end of life. I'm your host, Madison Morgan, leadership coach, creative consultant, and speaker. I coach soulful visionaries and go-getting mavericks who desire to create art of their lives and take their work both deeper and higher. In this show, I'll be bringing you an overflow of conversations with my favorite thought leaders, teachers, healers, and creatives who inspire me to live more fully in my own power, worth, and wholeness, along with offering some episodes where I share my own practical insights, behind-the-scenes peeks into my process, and tools I use on my own journey. There will not be much we shy away from here because at this table, everything belongs. Therefore, you can expect me to ask the uncomfortable, juicy questions. You can expect that you'll hear people you disagree with on the podcast and maybe even ideas you've never previously considered. I trust you with your own discernment as we take this deep dive. You can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and be challenged by the guests as they share their diverse experiences and views of the world. It's my hope through learning to see that all of it belongs that you will develop a more sovereign way of holding yourself so you can playfully go after the life, relationships, and career you are made for, to let all parts of yourself have a seat at the table, to lead and create from your deepest truth, and become your own source of validation, all because you finally know you're worthy of it. All that's required to get started, that you show up curious and willing. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Everything Belongs. I'm in conversation today with Hella Weston, who is an amazing breathwork facilitator and intuitive coach and speaker and founder of Awaken Breathwork. But before I really tell you more about Hella and her amazing work in this conversation today, I want to remind you that Rising Sovereign is currently open for enrollment, and it actually only has one seat left at the time of me recording this. If you have been curious about working with me in a depth capacity and have been wanting to work with a coach who really can hold your bigness, who can hold the bigness of your dreams, the vastness of all the things that you've been through and the depth of integrity that you have, this is for you. It's a nine-month depth coaching experience for leaders and healers and mavericks. And no, you don't have to be a traditional leader in the sense that you are sharing content on social media or leading a large group of people because we are leaders where we realize how powerful we are. And that's exactly what this experience is about. It's about honoring the fullness of your power and your service and your creativity every single day by deepening into your power and rising up as your true self, sovereign and whole. Essentially, this is my absolute favorite way to work with people because of the depth we are able to go because the length of time we're able to go. And it's a group experience plus one-on-one coaching. And so you're not only getting the benefit of being coached twice a month in a group setting and receiving other people's breakthroughs, but you're also receiving the one-on-one support every single month and in the Signal Coaching app where we can take your personal goals and your dreams and the things that are holding you back get to the root of them. And so you can move through them with ease and with clarity and fun. And I could honestly talk to you about this forever, but if your curiosity is piqued, go to my website at madisonmorrigan.com backslash rising dash sovereign, submit an application. We are already taking applications for our October intake. And so if now is not the time for you, but you want to make sure that you can join in October, still do that because, uh, seats are already filling up for both. 
So I so hope to see your application and to chat with you for 20 minutes on Zoom or on a phone call about whether or not it's the right fit for you. So without further ado, let's talk about Hella Weston. Hella is, like I mentioned, an intuitive coach, a speaker, and is a co-founder of Awaken Breathwork. She guides sensitive souls and visionaries and creatives through the deep inner work to make peace with the past and increase their impact in the world through intuitive leadership and authenticity. She is originally from New Zealand and moved to Australia, but is currently today in Los Angeles, where she hosts the most amazing breathwork ceremonies through her program and her business, Awaken Breathwork. We speak today on intuition, finding meaning, using breath as medicine, how breath actually can have similar impacts as microdoses of psychedelic drugs, and why breath work is great for embodying wisdom, being with our emotions, and so much more. This was honestly such a fun conversation for me because I went to coaching school with Hella way back in the day and watching her journey and how many people she's able to impact with her work has been so inspiring to me. So I'm really excited to share her with you. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. And if you try out her breath work, she has a five minute daily practice you can find in the show notes. And I would love to hear if you enjoyed the show, if you've tried the breath work practice, tag me on Instagram and let me know what you think. And of course, if you love this, leave a five-star review and let me know what specifically about the conversation that you really enjoyed. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Hella Weston. My goodness, Hella, I feel like it has been bound to happen, this conversation, for like years. It has. <laughs> we are years in the making right now. We really are. And I know we had a laugh earlier, but I was in Los Angeles last week and it's boyfriend, right? Your boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Your partner? Boyfriend, your boyfriend. partner spirit husband, something like that. (laughs) The the person that you are in life and business and leadership with. I ended up stumbling upon him as we were walking down the street and messaged you and was like, oh my God, you were just on my mind. We're talking next week. And I'm so happy to have you. You, you've been like on my list of people I want to chat with for a long time. And then I just keep over time, you keep your business keeps growing and your impact keeps growing. And it's so fucking beautiful to watch. And I'm wondering, like, let's just say you bump into someone on the street and they say like, what do you do? Well, how you would even answer that question? Just have to say, I love that you asked that in that way. So fresh and uh, creative and, and relevant. So in a nutshell, what I do is I am here to support the rising consciousness. That's a very broad level view of what I'm doing. And so it comes out in different mediums. It comes out in different forms of service and different creative projects. I have a business called Awaken Breathwork, and that's where my partner Lucas Mack and I share breath work around the world together. And we've had that business for, I think, about five years now. And yeah, it's taking off. It has been a steady grind behind the scenes. And I suppose it's a bit like, you know, the years in the making that lead to an overnight success, seemingly, where we've been putting in a ton of work. And yeah, it's for sure growing in popularity. And I feel like it's going to keep accelerating. 
And aside from the breath work, I also am a coach. So that's kind of where our paths crossed initially through life coaching and mentoring women primarily is what I do. And that's not something that I specifically set out like, okay, I work with women. I've always been open to supporting all humans who are interested in developing themselves, growing, accessing a deeper spiritual understanding for themselves without an external um, an external system per se, but really like understanding what is your direct connection to spirit? What's your direct connection to creation? Um, what feels true for you without any dogma attached? So I love helping people to deepen their intuition and realize the power of it. And it's something that I live my life by. And so it's a natural thing for me to teach and talk about and guide because I understand how scary it is to live in the unknown. I understand that for most people, leading from intuition feels terrifying and it's everything we're taught not to do. We're taught to lead by logic. We're taught to do what makes sense or what we're told. And so I really want to give people permission across the world, as many as possible, to come into connection with that childlike intelligence that we we all have had. Some of us have really shut it down. But when we reconnect to it and we lead our lives from that childlike intuitive space, we actually start to experience real life magic and synchronicity and wonder and flow and all kinds of beautiful things happen. And ultimately it's about like more joy, more connection, more love. So that's that's a broad overview. Okay. I'm so excited that you went there because literally during lunch with my partner, she brought home some ramen and pho and the pho was like a new try for us from this place. And I pop a jalapeno into my mouth and it was so spicy. I spit it into my hands and threw it across the yard. (laughs) And she looked at me. It was like, that was so childlike. And she just like started laughing about it. And I had just gotten out of this like very serious conversation on a podcast. And it was like so deep and so expansive. And then I'm chucking my food across the yard like a child. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, quoted, I said, I hear some sages of the most childlike people that there are. <laughs> like cough, cough me. Yeah. I'm like not calling myself a sage, but just trying to defend the fact that I just spit into my hand and threw yeah. it across the yard. <laughs> and then you bring that in and I could not like agree more as far as like, what is the magic? Mm. Like, what is the thing that makes manifestations easy? That makes life feel good. And because you went here, which I actually wasn't expecting you to do. I'm so excited. I wonder like, what, is there a process or like ways that you feel as you're working with people that you see them like systematically shedding this logical mind and accessing this childlikeness that makes people feel so magical Mm. or like a sage? Yeah. Well, I can say that how it was for me is actually how I've seen it play out for so many other people. And that is hitting a wall where you just feel unfulfilled, out of alignment and unhappy with doing things the way that you're told to do them. And I know for myself that when I was in my early twenties, I was super depressed. I had really bad anxiety. I had chronic health conditions 
I was really, really unhappy in my working situation. And I mean, I was young, but I was old enough to know that it was time to look at it, you know? And I didn't want to end up where I saw people around, like, for example, at work, you know, I saw people who were above me or a few years ahead of me, a decade ahead of me. And I'm like, I do not want to be where you are. You seem really fucking unhappy. And so I started to look at that and I started to search. So I started to read different books and go to different workshops and start to dabble with meditation and that inched open the door to the seeking and then the discovery, which has led me to where I am now. And I feel like that's a consistent pattern that I see is you realize that what you're doing isn't working and that you've got to step outside of the box because the program that we're sold is often really empty. And again, this is something that I see whether you're really on in your journey and you're super young and you haven't had decades of time to feed this beast, if you like, of thinking that um, achievement and climbing the ladder and following logic and being impressive, you haven't had maybe years to go into that way of living and then find that it's empty. Some people have, and I work with some of those people too, who are like, I am super wealthy. I have all the things on paper that you would think that a person could want. And I'm bored and I feel disconnected from my soul. And what I really need right now is to come home and reassess deeply what life's going to look like from here. So there's that. And then there's people who catch it a bit earlier or way earlier. And that's also awesome. And either way, we end up at the same place, right? Yeah, of course, the external reality is going to look different. What we choose to manifest, create, experience, explore is going to look different. But that inner connection to self, to soul, to God, to nature, to the universe, whatever we want to call it, is what we're all ultimately, I believe, looking for and where peace is found and sustained. You know, I, I could not agree more. Like, and I interestingly feel like I was someone who early felt like I found my purpose and like was, was very fortunate. And then my mentors say, you can't deconstruct an ego until you have one. Mm. And it was almost like I ended up constructing an ego around the purpose that still had to be shed. Mm -hmm. And I was just telling our mutual friend, Sarah, that I was like, you know, at some point I just realized, like, I was asked by an intuitive reader, like, what do you want to manifest? And I was like, I've got nothing for you because I've created everything that I wanted to create way faster than I thought. And now I'm bored. And like, what else is there? And it's not like a soul aching place, but also, but it's like, but there has to be more than this, mm -hmm. even when it comes from like what I thought was purpose, at least. And what an opportunity, like whether it's in your early twenties or after you've achieved all of these things to be like, what, like, what else is there? And I'm curious, like, what do you think people find or what do you see people find when they're willing to go through that portal and ask that question? I feel like one of the most important discoveries or things that people find is meaning. And when you have connection to meaning, whether that's doing something for your family or meaning in terms of your relationship to 
life itself, to your legacy, when you are connected to meaning again, because we can be connected to it. Like you said, you know, you can have a sense of purpose. And I feel like for a lot of people um, who do discover purpose, there is a connection to that magic of meaning. And then it can kind of die or disappear or change forms. And this is another thing that so many humans suffer with, right, is we're so attached to things staying the same when life is very cyclic and there are there are cycles that will come and they will go and there are stages of connection and then that connection may weaken or start to dissolve or want to change forms and this is where I feel like it's a lifelong commitment to being aware and especially when you go into a stage of dissension, I suppose, you know, we, we rise and we discover and we find meaning, we find purpose, we find love, we find beauty, all these things that make life feel really alive and connected. And then we go into a a death process, an ending or a, um, yeah, a dissension. And so in that process, there is an opportunity to discover what's there, meaning, value, learning, um, wisdom, all the things that are available also through the endings and suffering as well can be so rich and valuable life experience. So I think that's another part of it too, is like the meaning and then an expanding embrace of the full spectrum of your human experience. And this is also a big, big part of what what Lucas and I do in our work with Awakened Breathwork is helping people to relate to the full spectrum of being human in a more open, embracing way. Because a lot of our suffering comes from fighting what is. I mean, this is not a new lesson by any means. This has been spoken about for thousands and thousands of years by teachers of the many different traditions that when we fight what is, we suffer. And Our human emotions, for example, are one of the ways that we live, the way that we we breathe life in and then we breathe life out. We experience a feeling response to what is in this human experience. And when we fight with our emotional experience, I feel like we add a whole other layer of suffering on top of it. So I'm really excited about helping people to make friends with their emotions and to be with them and just like breathing, you know, breathing in your life experience and then letting things go and being with the cyclical nature, I think just makes the whole process a little easier. You know, being human is not easy. I feel like we all go through all kinds of shit and no one's got it all figured out and perfect. And the point, in my opinion, is not to have a consistently happy figured out like perfect in a box with a bow type of life. It's can we get a little bit more skillful with navigating what is? Can we be more and more open to meeting life as it is? Can we allow ourselves to feel and be fully alive in this? And, you know, get to the end of it and be like, okay, I fully lived. I feel like I learned a shitload and I went through a lot and yeah, no regrets. I can close out feeling like I breathed it in and now I'm ready to take that final deep exhale and let it go. 
I'm so thankful that you brought in like the cyclic nature of things. And my teachers would call it flourishing. Like there's the the element of flourishing, which I think would be the inhale. Mm. And then there is like the disintegration, like you were saying, and like it's the death and the rebirth, the inhale, the exhale. And so I see people teaching spirituality in a way that like you should be able to manifest your reality and then everything will be perfect. And then it's only flourishing or only the inhale, but that's not really whole. It's not the fullness. And I'm so curious about, I, you know, recently discovered that spirit just means breath Mm. and like, well, of course, you know, whenever someone has a body and they're alive, they are breathing. And that is, that's how, you know, you're alive. And I guess I'm just really curious how you use breath work to deepen into these wisdom tools because we can hear things like, yeah, learn to be with suffering, expand your capacity for life, you know, all of these things. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we've scrolled past like all of that on Instagram. <laughs> we're like, yeah, I've heard it. Um, or maybe you've heard it in church or wherever it is. But like I'm I'm learning personally, like embodied ritual is actually extremely important to living these wisdom practices. And so I'm wondering like why breath work? Like what was your journey in finding it? And also like why is it your favorite way? to access these tools? Mm, Such a good question and an important one. When I found breath work, I had already been deep in the work for years and I'd done the affirmations. I had done all the journaling and the hyping myself up and really I was on the positivity train hard and things were going pretty well with that way of being. Um, But what I discovered, so firstly, I got into a breathwork workshop and I thought that I was going in there to learn how to breathe better. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll just do it to boost my meditation practice and be a better yogi. And I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. And when I experienced breathwork, it was something entirely different to what I had in my mind that it was going to be. What I realized about the breath is that it is the the gift that we have been given, I believe, to access non-ordinary states of consciousness naturally. I mean, nature is so abundant, right? We're, we're, I believe, again, given all the tools that we need in nature. We've got like medicinal plants and you can go into the jungle and you can sit with these master plants like ayahuasca or San Pedro. And nature is abundantly providing for us in all that ways. And breath, it's inside every single one of us. And when we learn how to use it correctly, this is another medicine that we have and we've always had. So What you can do with specific breathing techniques is start to access non-ordinary states of consciousness, as I was describing. So you work with the breath in a different way to how you breathe in everyday life. So for example, in our everyday life, you know, we are typically going to be breathing in and out through the nose and that's filtering the air and it's keeping us in a very regulated state. And primarily we're going to be in a beta brainwave pattern. So there's a lot of logical thinking mind activity going on in that state. And when we shift the breathing pattern, 
and we go into a deep circular breath, for example, there's different breathing techniques that will bring on different states as well. So there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can practice that will allow you to access different states, different levels of energy, moods, and so on. And one of the techniques that we teach with awakened breath work is a circular connected breathing pattern. And when you practice that for an extended period of time, so in our events and in our private sessions, we usually are guiding people through this breathing pattern under supervision, which is really important. So please don't try this at home if you've never done it before without a guide or you know, a qualified facilitator. And so what happens is that through this technique, you'll start to experience an opening of your consciousness. And this is achieved through the change in activity in your brain, your physiology, your brainwaves will start to shift from that beta brainwave pattern into more of an alpha brainwave pattern and through into theta. And some people also do go into a delta and gamma wave. And when we're in this open state, if we go into it with a clear intention, we can really quickly access clarity, answers, insights, perspectives that are unavailable to us in our regular waking consciousness. And so I would compare it in a way to a psychedelic experience. And with any psychedelic experience, if you're going to speak to someone who knows what they're talking about, they will tell you that set and setting is really important. So if I was to give you psychedelics and you're in a chaotic, crazy environment with no facilitation or care, I have no idea what's going to happen, right? That could be all kinds of wild and it could be beautiful and healing, but it also might not be. And so the same goes with breath work. The tool itself, the breathing is only one part of what makes it a healing experience. And the other part of that is then, okay, well, what happens once we get you into that non-ordinary state? So it's creating a very safe therapeutic environment to guide someone into accessing material, maybe from the past, maybe things that are going on currently, maybe there's um, emotions or thoughts that have been swirling around future decisions. And it can also go into more spiritual contemplation. And through that guidance and, and facilitation, the clarity comes and the release starts to happen. And spontaneously for most people, emotions do start to arise, maybe not in, in one session, but you do enough and you will experience a spontaneous release of emotions. So um, a typical experience that we'll guide, we lead workshops with 100 plus people at a time. And in one room, you'll have people who are screaming, laughing, crying, dancing, um, just smiling, people who look so peaceful, people who are just like the little tears are flowing down the sides of their faces. And it's just beautiful because you see in these spaces that everyone is feeling beings and we're all going through stuff. And it's like a uniting in the human experience and it's a safe place to feel. And I mean, you, I'm sure you've got more questions to ask, but I'll just say this last piece that 
for so many of us, we haven't felt like we have a safe space to feel certain emotions. And this can be really old, you know, like from when we're children, when we're angry and we're told off for being angry and we're told that we're too much and that we're behaving badly or we get sad and we're told that we need to get over it and like be strong and toughen up and, you know, get it together. Or we're really excited and expressive and we're told that we're annoying or we talk too much or we need to go into the other room or it's exhausting to be around. And these seemingly small experiences that happen from a young age, they stay with us and they impact how we show up. They impact how we hold ourselves physically and that tension and, and desire to express in a certain way, it doesn't just go away. The desire to express just gets frozen. And we develop these coping mechanisms around it to, to be safe in the world and to behave in a way that we think will be acceptable. And in the process, we lose connection to that authenticity and freedom. So much yes to everything that you've just said. So many of my clients are people who are like who everyone else would probably say are so free. And yet they know that they're still holding back from, from the things that you just described from all those micro cuts mm-hmm. stack. And, you know, some people of course have really difficult traumas, but all of us have the traumas of being rejected, especially in this culture, being told that we're non-feeling culture. And like you said, there aren't a lot of spaces to go to feel and to be safe, feel safe being seen feeling also. Mm-hmm. I've seen images and also have friends who have been a part of the work that in the workshops that you've done one-on-one and you know, in these circles that you host of, you know, between five and a hundred people. Mm-hmm. And I have just heard the powerful testimonials of people saying it was like you said, nothing like I experienced. It was like being on psychedelics. It opened me up and having only a couple experiences in psychedelics. I'm, I've been very, uh, maybe prudish would be the right word with my enjoyment of recreational mind altering substances mm-hmm. from a really young age. I had caution around it with a parent who was an addict and yet, Likewise. yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm like, this could be a tendency. And yet I experienced all, uh, like, what, what did you call it? Like an expanded state. You mm-hmm. called it something mm-hmm. um, with religion. Like I, mm-hmm. I, people have talked about faking those experiences, but the experiences I had of expanded states of consciousness and religion were real. Mm-hmm. And it was like it being tapped into pure bliss And I've had so, and it wasn't with breath work, but it was with music and with drumming and with lots of people, which can evoke, I think, similar states. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It makes so much sense that what we're talking about isn't, I mean, yes, it's the God spirit, it's universe, but that's like us. It's like in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And it's available through so many different, as you said, embodied rituals. Mm -hmm. When we get involved, when we get into it, when we take it from being a heady experience of learning and reading books and being like, okay, I'm going to learn how to be a better person. And we get into the experience itself. Yeah. Amazing things can happen. I'm so curious. You mentioned insights dropping in and from what I'm understanding, like these emotional releases are not only a clearing out, but they're a pattern interruption. They're like, they're changing things. And 
from what I understand about subconscious, like new ideas, new states of consciousness, new programming can also be implanted in those Mm -hmm. moments where there is a, a pattern interruption. And so I'm wondering in your personal experience, or maybe even what you've seen, what are the shifts that can drop in whenever we have a pattern interruption, emotional release, or even just like moments of clarity that come from these practices? Mm. Yeah, it's pretty wild to witness both in myself and in countless others now through these sessions and the peak emotional experiences that people access. I feel like one of the most important recurring experiences that I see and have felt is forgiveness. And for a really long time, I knew that I wanted to forgive and that forgiveness is a part of the work, but how to forgive felt really, really elusive and even super frustrating at times. And so to backtrack to when I first tried breath work, as I said, I had been in the work. I thought I knew a fair bit about how to be more conscious and and do the whole personal growth thing. And what I realized through the practice is that I was not being entirely honest with myself and that my body was still holding on. And deep in the subconscious, there was still a lot of resentment and a lot of pain and a lot of fear. And these things are a part of the human experience. So still to this day, you know, I have things that come up And then I I have to work through it just like anybody else. But there was a lot that I had just become masterful at band-aiding over that needed attention. And so for me, one of the biggest breakthroughs that I've had is accessing true forgiveness. And it came through peak emotional experiences, compassion, and grief kind of simultaneously. And one of the things that I see, it's like my favorite part of this work is when I'm in a room full of people and I can look at someone and it's this sacred moment where their face looks like they could be in excruciating pain. And then it just shifts into total deep love. And it's like, you just see the the expression transform into love and release and compassion and understanding and gratitude, gratitude that moves a person to tears, you know? And that's been the case for me where things that I have been holding onto so tightly and thought were completely unforgivable from my past things that people did to me, things that I had gone through, um, relationships that had broken down. I had no idea how to let that go. And what I access through breath work through this non-ordinary state is an opening to get out of my own way, to elevate above my own stories and to see it from a different light. You know, it's like literally like zooming out of a, a movie that you're so in the thick of that you're, you know, you're all in the drama, you're immersed in it and it all seems so real. And then you zoom out and you're like, whoa. All of this is happening and I can see me, but now I can also see them and I can see their past and I can see the pain that they've been in and I can see the decisions that led them to this point to do what they did to me and how it all played out. And not only can I see the past, I can also see where this whole interaction has led me and what it's opened up for me. 
And in that level of clarity and recognition, release is easy because it becomes clear the the divinity in it, the order in what seems so chaotic. And so for me, those moments of peak emotion and like, whoa, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. And I have so much compassion for this person. Immediately I forgive. And that forgiveness has, it's lasted. So I've come out of sessions and, you know, years later now, like seven, eight years have gone by and I'm like, I just love that person and I totally get where they're at and they haven't changed one bit and I just feel totally cool with it. So that's one. And then uh, another, I mean, there's so many, but I think other emotions that I see create really powerful shifts are when someone accesses a level of love that allows them to see what's possible and own it. And I feel like for most people who are wanting to grow and better themselves, self-doubt and a lack of belief in what's possible is one of the biggest barriers that we face. We might have ideas about what success could look like, but I know for myself for a really long time, I thought, oh, success and, you know, having like abundance and love and like all the things, I thought that that was way out here and not available to me. Like, oh, nice for you, happy for you, but that's not my hand in life, you know. I'm I'm like suffering and stuck and I'm the exemption to the rule of abundance. And then when I have accessed these states of love and recognition of my own gifts or when I see another person unlock that, boom, it clears the way that upper limit is gone and they can actually get on with doing what they want to do with conviction and share it with other people without feeling contracted. I love that so, so much because like you said, that when you said I'm the exemption mm. to the law of abundance, how often we do that. It's like, well, that's grace is true to everyone else besides for me, <laughs> which is so silly, but it's like something that I think most of us do. And you, you brought up for me whenever you were talking about grief and forgiveness, it was a year and a half ago. I had gone on like, well, I'll say two years ago, I had gotten divorced and came out and then went no contact with certain family members. And then six months later, my dog tragically died, which was just, it was, it was like, and then also it was the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, 2020 was supposed to be my year. And it was just like all of the things. And in the midst of my, the grief from my dog, because that was to me, that was like the most devastating thing out of all the things that could have happened. My little animal passed away and I was like hyperventilating, crying, you know, just like whenever you're so in the grief that your breath is just almost like your body is moving you. And it's interesting you're saying this because I had an extreme shift in consciousness around forgiveness in that moment where my dog had died because we left the front door open and we trusted her. You know, we, she ran after another dog and got hit by a car and it was, you know, it felt like this negligence of like, I, I had done this. My partner had done this and it was blame. Is it her? Is it me? And who's to blame? And in the midst of the grief and I'm just like sobbing and breathing, I like had this moment of clarity that there's no way my parents would have intentionally caused the negligence that they did. And I was just like, 
total zoom out. And although there are still boundaries in place, just because it's appropriate for the boundaries to be in place, a deep level of forgiveness happened that it's like the, the, like you said, the grief and the compassion and the grief and the love went so hand in hand that it was like the grief that I was avoiding feeling. And once I felt it, just forgiveness washed over other areas. And so what I'm hearing and just, I'm just referencing like, wow, that's totally what happened in that situation that you're bringing people safely into a space that's non-emotionally charged for, you know, there isn't a horrific thing that happens. That's a portal to grief, but that their body just wants to release if given the opportunity. Exactly. And that is such a beautiful example to what you just shared about the grieving of your dog passing and the hyperventilation that you witnessed of the body's intelligence. Like we actually do know how to create a deep release, but oftentimes what happens is when people go into a somatic level release, you know, when the body starts to respond, maybe it's through hyperventilation, maybe it's shaking or tremoring. There are other things that can happen too. You know, like I remember one time years ago, I had a panic attack and my hands were like this and I freaked out and didn't know what to do. And this is actually, you know, super common. Now I I know about that, that a lot of people experience that when they go into a state of panic and the body is doing what it knows how to do to support you in a release. But what we're conditioned to do is to shut down that release process. And when we interrupt a natural process, we're just hitting pause on it, really. It doesn't just go away. And we might go like, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to watch a movie now and eat some food and I'll get over it and we'll just put it in the back there. But it it will want to come out at a later date. And so we do get to create these safe spaces for ourselves to normalize it. And then the beautiful thing is you also get to carry that embodied intelligence and permission with you out into the world. So nowadays I don't even need to go into a breathwork session per se in order to have a deep release. Like in the moment when something is happening, I know how to hold space for myself. I know how to give myself permission to feel it and process it in the moment. And that might be through shaking. It might be that my body needs to like go through a wave of energy or emotion, or it might be that I need to actually physically exert some energy and express it, like grabbing a pillow and punching it or using my voice. I often use toning to just move energy, move emotions through my voice that I don't even understand, right? Like up here, but I know that there's something that needs to come out. And so that's the freedom that comes on the other side of retraining yourself in the art of feeling and being with what's natural. What I love about this and this whole conversation is that it is so the opposite of what I think people think when they're trying to, you know, have a higher level of consciousness. Often I see in those conversations, a bypassing of the body, a suppression of feelings and just trying to get to a loving state. And what I'm hearing is by learning the intelligence of the body and the tools, like literally psychedelic tools that just live inside of our bodies, we can naturally just move through things that you pay, which is great to do thousands of dollars to go and do an ayahuasca ceremony. Literally, you can know how to do that using like the tool that is your body. 
Exactly. Another little analogy that I like to use when I think about emotional maintenance and the somatic work is if you think about a house that has had clutter that's been building up over a lifetime and then you get to an age where you're like, okay, I'm ready for change. I'm ready to look at this. I'm going to take responsibility and sort it out. And so you're like, okay, I better hire the professionals and get right in there. And so you hire someone because it's new to you and you're like, I don't know how to do this. You know, I'm, I've been an accumulator all my life. And so I need some help and guidance here. And so you get the support and they'll show you how to do some deep cleaning. And that professional, which in this case is like a breathwork facilitator or a somatic therapist is going to probably come in there and be like, you know what? this is going to require some patience and time and we're going to be doing some really deep work that might be uncomfortable. You might be getting sweaty. You might be feeling messy. It might bring up some things that you forgot about. And as we open up those, you know, emotional boxes of clutter and accumulations, there's going to be some reminders in there that trigger some things that you have been avoiding for a really damn long time. And so we do that work, we go through that process and then we're like, oh, okay, I feel great. You know, I did the work that was amazing. Now everything is feeling all sparkly and fresh, but then you go back out into the world and then you accumulate another little thing and you have a conversation and someone doesn't speak to you in quite the right tone that you wanted, or you're trying to share something that's really exciting and they're not listening. And Little by little, you know, in Vipassana meditation, um, they call it a a sankara. And it's like these little moments where we just tweak out and like, oh, like, I don't quite like that. I didn't, I don't agree with that. That bothered me. I'm going to hold on to that. And we carry these little accumulations and then we have a choice. Do we go, do we go into a consistent um commitment to practice clearing out, observing and moving that clutter along, or do we let it build up again? And my preference and what I encourage others to do is keep consistent with the emotional awareness and clearing and, you know, self-love practices so that when something builds up, you're not judging yourself for it. You're not like, oh my God, I'm not there yet, which is what I used to do with personal growth is go, someday I'm going to get the thing that's going to make it all better. And it was such an extreme all or nothing way to look at becoming well and happy. And now what I realize is actually it's a daily commitment. And there's going to be some days where I'm holding on to some you know, accumulations that are really not serving me and I'm not going to want to let it go. And my little ego is going to be like, no, I have a right to feel this and they're wrong and I'm right. And I'm just going to suffer with that for a bit. And then I come back to my practice and I choose to meet myself and I let it go again. And I create more space and more alignment and more clarity. And therefore I have more energy available to me to focus on what I want and yeah, so that's, I think the the biggest thing is knowing that the work is in the deep, the deep therapeutic journeys. And then the work is also in the maintenance, the daily micro commitments, the observation of the thoughts, the recognizing when you're getting tweaked out and holding on to the little sankaras and learning how to let it go. 
and forgive yourself when you do hold on. And that is the recipe, I think, for a a more well life. Yes, I could not agree more. My lineage that I like study fourth way tradition, which some people know a slice of it through Enneagram. They've heard of Enneagram like, oh, I know that, but it's, you know, of course, a part of a deeper tradition. And they talk about soft body, non-judgment, non-interference, just observe and notice and soften your body. And like what you're saying is like you're the gripping up and the softening the body is when the release happens. The softening the body is when the emotion it's like, and that's actually not a sign that anything has gone wrong. And it's the judgment of, oh, I'm in the pattern. I'm in the loop. I'm holding on. And also, like you mentioned, we actually, we do have a right if we want to take it to hold on to any resentments or any, you know, we have a right to, and we can, and that's fine. And also it's like, now that I know what I know, I'm like, I'm suffering. <laughs> it's not, mm-hmm. it's not bringing any justice. Like I'm suffering and I have less energy, as you said it, less access to choice to move things in the direction of the world that I actually want. And I like dampen my life force by being upset. And also I have a right to be upset. And also it's like, I'm not ready to let it go or whatever it is. Like you said, all of this is for our safety and our survival until there's a moment where we are safe enough to release, which thank God you are creating spaces where people can do that. Yeah. Well said. I love that around the soft body. I feel Mm -hmm. like that is such a beautiful reminder for everyone to take away even from this, this conversation that it can be as simple as that, you know, a practice Mm. of being aware and softening your body and being aware of your breath. And when your breath is shallow or sharp, noticing that too and Mm -hmm. softening through the breath. I mean, something that I will encourage my clients to do is observe the exhale. And if you're feeling like you're holding on, Mm -hmm. just let that exhale be slow and easy and like a tissue that's just drifting in the wind, just allowing your body to learn how to let go without force. I'm so visual. And so I love the image of the tissue because I will be thinking about that every day now. And to reference who gave those laws, um, the book that my teachers talk about is from Red Hawk and it's self, there's two parts, self-remembering and self-observation. If anyone is like listening and like, oh, I want to know more about that. And then my Enneagram conversation with my teacher, Matthew, for anyone who's like, I want to know who your teacher is. Um, you can listen to that. Very I, cool. yeah, he's fucking amazing. And like one of those people who's like so brainy that you have to take notes, almost like being around him. Mm-hmm. And so numerous people who know him have messaged me and just been like, thanks for interviewing him because it makes a lot more sense whenever someone's guiding the conversation. Mm. So he's just amazing. I want to take a, you know, a shift because I have been so inspired by Awaken Breathwork and the journey that I've seen you go on as a coach and as a leader and watching your business grow to, you know, some would say like the level it has, the impact maybe is a better word, like the the visibility, the impact. And from like guiding circles from people I know to guiding circles for people most people know, like celebrities that most people know, I'm just so curious what the journey has been like for you personally, ex- like experiencing that expansion. Mm. 
One thing I will say is the expansion I personally feel is a result of the sincerity of my love for this work. And I truly, truly believe that the ultimate marketing strategy that anyone could follow is just believe in what you do so deeply that you want to share it. And when you do share it, it's the most authentic thing and people can feel that. And then they're like, whoa, they're open, they're receptive, they're curious because of how much you're sharing from love. And that has been the case with this from the beginning for both Lucas and I, is we just love it so much that to not share it would feel like withholding a superpower secret. (laughs) And the other part of this too is that breathwork is about so much more than healing, as we have spoken about already. The work is an opportunity to connect into your intuitive intelligence. And when you start to connect into that inner guidance, that inner voice, it will give you ideas. And if you have the courage to follow through and take action on those ideas, you will be blown away. That's a pretty logical formula, but it does require some risk and stepping outside of the box, you know? So that's how we live our lives. Our business meetings typically look like breathwork sessions or meditating and tuning in and bouncing ideas with each other and then seeing how it feels in our bodies and following the excitement and the joy and really not taking a linear path, like giving ourselves permission to create this from feeling. And I know a lot of people too say, not to lead from emotion. And yeah, I think that's definitely valid advice for certain areas, but we have for sure chosen to lead by emotion, to lead by intuition, to lead by that subtle sense. And it's working pretty well for us. And it's conducive to well-being and flow and spontaneity as well. And then I guess the other part of it too is no matter who I'm working with, what I see is that all humans are the same. We just have different ways of coping and creating within this circus that is life. And I was watching actually a a series on YouTube the other day with Will Smith. I'm not sure if anyone's seen it, but it's... um, It's like about his weight loss journey. I can't remember the name of it right now. I think Best Shape of My Life with Will Smith. And in that series, he speaks a lot about his own trauma and the coping strategies that he developed as a result of having a super strict father and wanting to achieve, achieve, achieve. So you look at a lot of people who are incredibly successful in this 3D world They've received awards, they've got millions of dollars, they're famous, yada, yada, yada. And what I think most people don't realize is that a lot of that um, external success is a result of not feeling good enough or feeling like you really have to work way more than anybody else around you. You've got to be doing laps on your competitors or peers in order to stand out, to receive love. So that's one way, you know, that people choose to navigate this circus of life. 
And then other people choose different ways, choose to create families, choose to retreat, choose to live in certain loops. We've all got our own different loops. And so I've just realized more and more and more that everyone is just doing the best they can. And some choices happen to look shinier on the outside than others. But yeah, we're all human at the end of the day. And I feel like that has helped me immensely. It's something that I know you speak about a lot. And I just love, like every time you post about it, I'm like, oh yeah, resonating, taking people off the pedestals, you know, and realizing like, yo, we're all going through things. And I feel it's also taught me or given me an opportunity to have deep compassion for people who are in the spotlight. Like sometimes we, Lucas and I both do get messages saying, why are you working with Gadia celebrity? Like why, why would you work with them? They are super privileged. They're not the people that need this work. Like it's really messed up and not spiritual or conscious that you're supporting them and not like making your work available for free or doing other things. And my perspective on that, and usually my response in some form, is I am here to shift culture and to support the raising of consciousness by any means possible. And we cannot deny that people in shiny positions are highly influential and their actions and how they show up and what they buy and you know how they live, that is seeping in to the minds of millions of people. And so if I can help some of those influential figures to embrace more soul, more heart, more healing, more authenticity, that has the opportunity to ripple out to way more people than I can personally reach directly. And it also has the the um, the means to shift the the focus right to go from like okay let's talk let's focus all on materialism as our values and um consuming and all of this shit that's really harmful and unproductive into like whoa could we open up a new collective conversation so i'm super excited about that and i feel like it's happening and i i also want to say like we all play a role and every person supporting whoever they're drawn to is a necessary part of the system that is, you know, allowing change to happen on a mass level. So I don't think there's any like better or worse. We've all got a place. Go where your heart calls you. Right now, that's where it's calling me is to focus on um, focus on supporting these culture shifters and then also utilizing these resources to reach people more of it at a mass scale and do it in really creative ways that are like cool and creative and pop aligned with pop culture and all of that is very, very exciting. So yeah, it's happening. We're doing it. I fucking love it so much. And I think people really forget not only like, is it the influence that you're saying, but also there is a shadow side to people who have a lot of privilege and a lot of it is disassociation. A lot of it is perpetuating more supremacy and mm-hmm. lack of connection. Like my friends who come from the 1% talk about the isolation and the disconnection from earth and the disconnection from soul, just from growing up with it, not even trying to maintain, like maintain it. And so it, it just, 
I'm a big believer in going where your bliss is. And I'm so thankful to see you doing this. And also when I see people that are very famous sharing your work, I get so excited because I know people who aren't famous find your work and the the parts of your work that are extremely accessible, I might add, um, because those people are amplifying it. And so I'm just so excited (laughs) about the work that you're doing. And it's so fun to see you shine, to see this work reaching. Yeah. you. There were so many things that you said that I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. And I, before rapid fire, I want to know if you want to share any ways where people can find the work you're doing that if they really resonated with you. Mm, yeah, for sure. So one of the most easy, accessible ways for people to start experiencing some of what I'm up to is by learning our Awakened Daily Practice. So you can learn this five-minute breathwork practice for free. And the best place to go for that is our Instagram or our website. It's Awaken, O-W-A-K-E-N, like Awaken, but with an O. And getting into that five-minute practice is potentially life-changing. This is the practice that I still use every single day and share with all of my clients, no matter where they come from. This is the practice that I'm like, you have to do this every day. So I recommend that. And then we also have a virtual studio. So we've got an online like membership. It's a space where we have all different classes where you can do guided breath work that's as short as 10 minutes all the way up to half an hour classes. And they're on all different themes like releasing guilt or um, you know dissolving fear, accessing more energy, inspiration, manifesting all sorts of things. And then we've got um, a few really exciting projects coming up. We have a course coming for anybody who wants to do deep journeys from home. I mean, with everything going on in the world right now, I feel like making it as accessible as possible, no matter where we are, is the most important thing. And then we have a facilitator training coming. So for those who have been asking us for years I want to, you know, bring this into my own community and share Awaken Breath Work that is launching in just a few months' time. And I'm so excited to have a whole global community of people sharing. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So I think awaken.com is the best place to go and you'll find me there as well. Yeah, I'll put all of the things that you mentioned in the show notes. I was so excited when I saw the facilitator training. I was telling Sarah last week, I'm like, I'm so thrilled for this. And I just want to even speak to what you were saying, like the heart for love. Like I have felt the perpetual alignment, the perpetual shifts towards deeper alignment and integrity the entire time I've known you. And it's something that is so attractive about Awaken and what both of you are doing that no matter how famous or wealthy, or if it's just someone that you've known for a long time, like you're the same you with everybody. And that speaks for itself to me. Thank you so much. That's really always been so important to us. You know, when we go on tour and we lead these big events, we hug as many people as we can. Like it's so important to both Lucas and I to just see people and let them know you matter. You matter, you matter, you matter. I know what it feels like to be an underdog, to feel unloved, not understood, to feel like I'm not sure of my path or what's possible for me. And so I think we just want to like, you know, bring that love and excitement and permission to as many people as possible and then use the 
more expanded uh, or shiny stuff that we do as, a, again, a permission or an inspiration to people to be like, hey, look, we're regular people manifesting, creating life on our own terms, and you can as well. Mm. So beautiful. Are you ready for some rapid fire? Let's go. I am ready. What is your spiritual background? I would say my family is spiritually open, but there has been no religion at all. And so I guess my spiritual background is my inner knowing that has led me to a deep personal connection with what I feel is source creation. How do you know when you know? I follow what feels like an opening into an inspiring possibility. I follow what feels like home and what feels like it brings me most into connection with the person that I want to be in the most humble and simultaneously expansive and exciting space. I love it. What identities have you had to let go of to own your fullness today? I think the big one would be feeling unworthy and like I'm the exception to the rule. And that would be every great rule. <laughs> yes. The rule of being able to create, the rule of being lovable, the rule of being worthy, all of those. I am not the exception. Even the rule of of uh, the story, like going, you know, all of these people are awesome and I'm here by mistake. <laughs> I'm not worthy of being around these friends, this social circle, realizing, no, I'm not the exception. I'm here for a reason. I'm guided and I belong. Mm-hmm. What are you most enjoying learning right now? Hmm. I can't get enough. It's like a constant obsession with learning more about the human condition and healing and the mind body connection and uh i'm just obsessed with learning all things mind body spirit (laughs) i'm the same every time i get done with the training and like a deeper i'm like that's gonna be the last one for a while and then i'm like (laughs) i cannot help but take another depth training it's just my favorite thing what does grace mean to you Hmm. Grace to me means guidance, flow, ease, and love and truth. So good. What is your go-to coffee shop order? Matcha latte with almond milk. Hmm. And last question is, what do you want? Hmm. Oh, such a goodie. Um, I want to be led by truth, whatever that will mean and look like. Amen to that. This has been delightful. It has. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Everything Belongs. I am so grateful knowing the amount of input and content there is available that you take the time to listen to this show and so value your attention and the fact that you choose to keep tuning in. If you're curious about today's guest, you can go to madisonmorgan.com backslash podcast to get all of the show notes and all the links to their website. 
If you are receiving heaps of value from this podcast and want to continue to support the team that makes it possible or just simply say thank you, consider contributing to our gratitude offering. It is a small way to say thank you and give back to the podcast by creating reciprocity. We have four different ways for you to contribute from $7 a month to $37 a month, or even a one-time thank you contribution. You can choose your level of support from $7 monthly, $17 monthly, $37 monthly, or a one-time contribution. And for those who choose to give on a monthly basis, what you'll get in return is an eight-minute hypnotic induction, which is basically a fancy meditation to support you in anchoring in gratitude as your baseline state. It uses nervous system regulating breath, bilateral stimulation that helps you reprogram old stories, binaural beats for calming your mind, gentle hypnotic suggestions, and absolutely zero cheesy count your blessings type lists. Plus, whenever you choose to support on a monthly basis, you get access to my close friends on Instagram. This bonus gift is my way of saying thank you so much for supporting the podcast, where you will join my Instagram close friends and will basically be able to hear my personal rants, photos, daily happenings, and the hilarious memes that I share with my closest friends. This content is created just for fun. It's not marketing material. It's nothing that I create specifically for my business. It is just for fun, and I would love to have you in that inner circle. Basically, I would love to share my weird with you as a way to say thank you for supporting the podcast. Plus, of course, you will receive insider's access to all the discounts I offer, first dibs on new opportunities to work together, and that generous feeling of abundance and reciprocity for contributing to something that you get a lot from. If you're curious about joining the gratitude offering, you can go to madisonmorgan.com backslash gratitude dash offering. And if you're looking for a free way to say thank you and to contribute your energy to the show, please leave a five-star review. That is the simplest and easiest way to send your generosity and to send your thanks and it really helps boost our ratings and itunes and reach more people who might enjoy it in the meantime i would love for you to join me on instagram dm me and let me know your favorite part of this episode and until next time remember that curiosity can be a portal to a life where everything belongs <laughs>